This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MarketScale Pro-AV Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And today, we're shining a light on lighting. The Pro-AV industry is no stranger to creating engaging live events, obviously, but when focused on the content, video and audio networks, and general flow of a show, the specifics of lighting can maybe be left behind or underdeveloped. Here to give his tips on what makes good lighting great is Jason Cannonball Jenkins, Director of Operations at Elite Multimedia. Jason, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So I think we have to start by unpacking that nickname, Cannonball. It's it's pretty great. Um, are you a destructive force in the industry? Did you make a massive splash at a company pool party? What's the what's the story there? So that goes back, and there there's a lot there's a, a slightly more interesting version that is not quite safe for uh, professional discussion. <laughs> but they, to give you the basic gist of it, um, when I first moved to Nashville, um, a company that I was working or the company that I worked for at that time, um, they decided that, um, they couldn't remember my name basically. And the president of the company was sitting in a staff meeting apparently, and this is the story that I'm told, uh, they were sitting in a staff meeting one day and they needed to come up with my name. And I am a, I'm a bigger guy and a bald head. And so apparently this president walked into the meeting. Of, I've got a job for this guy. He's a, he's the, he's the big guy shaved head. He looks like a cannonball. And that, <laughs> That, that is the very rough gist of it. Um, like I said, there is a more colorful version, but uh, that's for a different a different day. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that on the follow-up episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, great. I mean, I think this is going to be a cannonball of a podcast, so I think we're, we're starting we're, – we're picking up with a good start. So you also graduated with a degree in theater technology and design. That's where you focused um, a lot of your interests to begin your career, and I think that really – Set the stage for your appreciation for good, thoughtful lighting. What was a basic that you learned about the importance of lighting while you were getting a degree in theater design? Well, when I started uh, college, it wasn't... I did not have an emphasis in lighting that came a little bit later. Um, but I, I studied under, um, under a professor uh, named Dana White at, uh, at Otterbein college in a uh, Western, well, it's Otterbein university now, but in Westerville, Ohio uh, near Columbus. And Dana really emphasized the, the emotion that goes with lighting and not just looking at it as colors and, and making things look cool, actually using it to evoke emotion. And that was one of the biggest things that I took away from all of that was how do you evoke emotion? Now, I was working in theater at the time, so it was, it was rather, I won't say it was easy, but it was a little bit easier to communicate because you're talking about words, you're talking about scenes of plays and musicals, that kind of thing. Um, as I went through my world of how I transitioned from theater into entertainment, more of the concert variety of lighting, I took what he taught me and tried to use it to evoke an emotion as based on a song, as based on um, whether it be a ballad, whether it be a upbeat rock, rock tune, or what the overall idea was. So I really focused on how do I use color and use movement to evoke emotion. And that's what I spent probably the, the majority of my theatrical career transitioning into and honing as how do you light the body? How do you light 
something so that people see it. And when there's no words to communicate what they're trying to do, how does that come across in an emotional point of view? I love that. I mean, it sounds like you really had a knack or at least an eye for using lighting almost as content to contribute to an overall show or an overall feel. And I think that's what we're really going to get to unpack today on the podcast is, you know, the future of lighting in AV design is really to help contribute to that idea of experience-driven, content-focused AV, content-focused marketing, content-focused, you know, whatever it might be. Lighting has a really important part in that, especially when you're dealing with a live event where the content on stage is crucial. You know, you're breaking some news. You are giving a once-in-a-lifetime presentation. You know, you're trying to engage a room full of AV professionals or, you know, healthcare professionals or construction professionals, whoever it might be. You're trying to get them hyped about this next year in their industry. Something as simple as lighting can do that and can do it effectively and honestly more effectively sometimes than than a video on a screen because something about lighting just really really hits home if it's done right it it feels like it's part of the room and you almost feel immersed in it well and that's a, and that's absolutely true and i think a lot of people miss that um one of the things that that i love the most about um about lighting is just that that aha or that gasp moment anytime i mean when we operate for instance a concert where i spend a majority of my career when i'm at front of house operating the show and the artist is on stage and they're performing and whatnot if you do something and you hear an audible gasp the the uh, just the response from the audience of like Ooh, and it's not in response to the song. You know it's in response to some kind of physical element that they've just seen. And that is part of, of what I of what I do, what I did um, at that point in time. So there is absolutely a way to communicate to the audience that doesn't require words. As far as from the lighting perspective, you can communicate all kinds of different things just through how you use lighting. I mean, and it's, it's a it's a massive, massive visual tool that uh, I think gets utilized very well, but in some cases it gets underutilized. So let's dig in a little further into that point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, obviously we're talking lighting and it really does feel like lighting is an integral part, or at least it should be of any installer or integrator's tool belt of skills. But based on the conversation we're having sometimes it can be a lacking part of the industry or one that can be misinterpreted or underdeveloped. So what do you think is easy to misunderstand about lighting a live event that often bites an AV installer in the butt in the long run? Um, from my perspective, it is the use of what I would call too many tricks. Um, there's lots of things you can do with with lighting. There's uh, there's beam shaping. There's iris. There's gobo projection. Uh, there's split colors. There's all kinds of different things. I mean, I could go through them till I'm blue in the face. But ju I operate under the rule that just because you can doesn't mean you should. And when I say that, I really prefer that people think about it. Of just because a light can do all of these things, is it actually appropriate? Should it be used? Is it is it too much? Are you are you throwing out all your tricks right at the top of a set? Are you are you waiting so you have some place to go later on in in the show? I think a lot of uh, young lighting designers make mistakes of throwing things out there too quickly and having having a massive big opening three numbers and then having nowhere to go 
for the rest of their set. And I've seen it multiple times. I've seen it with some larger designers. I've seen it with younger designers. It, it kind of happens all over the board. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. They also make mistakes in audience lighting. Lighting the audience in, an, in a, a concert situation, even in a corporate situation, is one of the most valuable tools you can use. The audience, when they have some lighting on them, will they they will automatically just respond because then the artist can see them and the artist can start interacting with them and on top of that it makes the audience feel like hey i'm part of the show too there's light are they putting cameras on me where where where, where should i look it's that kind of thing it makes them feel as a part of the experience versus just hey i'm here to watch what's on the screen and that's that's a major that's a major difference what i do think happens is a lot of times things get underutilized. They don't use the, the right tools in the right places. And that can be a mistake that people make. Um, sometimes it has to do with budgets. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of situations where younger artists only have so much budget to put so much production to go along with what they're doing. So they can't necessarily do everything that they want to do. But then there's also those times where you've got the unlimited budget and you can have more toys than you could possibly think of. And, they don't use the th things correctly as they're provided to them. You really have to tear apart what you're doing and what you're designing and make sure it's serving the function. That's the number one focus of lighting is what you're doing adding to the show or adding to the event. Is it complementing things or is it just standing out and going, hey, why are you doing this? For what purpose? I mean, are you just doing it to show off or are you doing it because it serves a function? Right. Why are there giant pyrotechnics going off right now in the most dramatic part of the speech? Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. No. And I mean, I, I, it is kind of a broad concept, but it makes sense because if you go at it with intentionality and you identify what the client, the customer, the event, whatever it is, if you identify what they want out of the experience, then you know how to tailor the lighting to that experience. But if you go into it without that intentionality, like you said, you can go in one of two directions. You can either overdo it and think, oh yeah, we just want to pull off all the stops. We want to, you know, blow up half the stage and then we want the disco ball to come down and we want the lasers flying out into the audience. It's going to be amazing. And then that just you know it feels like too much or the other way around you do the most basic lighting nothing ever changes and you know it looks like uh, an office up there and it doesn't look like anything dramatic or anything with emotion is happening on stage so right. yeah like you said it comes down to that intentionality uh, give me an example of an event um, that you think really showcases how lighting can play a crucial role in capturing the feel and communicating that to the audience the the quick one that comes to mind is um, when uh, uh, Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters broke his leg and he had his throne of guitars and lights all around it and that that kind of stuff. They took a, a horrible situation, which was Dave basically falling off the stage and breaking his leg, but he kept going. And they, they designed it and they put it to the, their best ability. They had lights all surrounding it and it became the focal point of of the entire show, which honestly, I mean, the thing even moved forward and backward on stage. And it was really, really awesome to see an artist not give up way when they're injured, but then take a new element that wasn't planned for, wasn't part of the set. I mean, Dave's a very, really active guitarist, so he runs all over the stage. So isolating him down to a single point, they had to make him more interesting. And 
not not that and I, I said that I'm sorry Dave is a very interesting guy but they had to take a guy that's sitting there playing guitar doing really nothing who is normally running around and they had to make him a focal point and so they did that with that both with that set piece which was the the throne of guitars as well as the lights that surrounded him they put lights all around the edge of the throne and then surrounding the front and then um uh, the designer, which I believe I could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure it was Dan Hadley. Um, he took all of his all of his poignant lighting fixtures over the air and made Dave a focal point throughout the set. So it was really, really powerful to take something like that and, and make it a really useful thing and still put on a great show. OK, so we got the positive example. Now we need to counter that with a negative one. Uh, how have you seen lighting used in a live event and used incorrectly to the point where it actually contributed to the event falling flat. Well, I can, I can definitely address that. There's one specific uh, event that I can recall, and I'm not going to share the artist or the designer's name because sure. I just we don't want to do that. Yeah. But, um, they're a very large band, uh, very, very popular. And they were doing a, I think this was for, for both a video shoot and it was their live concert tour. But um, one of their most powerful songs was this really big orchestral ballad. And it was a beautiful piece for a rock band that was just, I mean, it really stands out. It really signified who the band was. The designer at that point in time, which this band has been through several designers, but this was a very, very, very large designer. And this person, for some reason, decided to use strobe lights in the middle of this big orchestral ballad. <laughs> and strobe lights are absolutely valid. I mean, they can represent thunder, lightning, um, anything you, I mean, you can think of. But they're usually used on more upbeat things. But they can be used in... in in things where they're referencing, like I said, referencing storms or something like that. This had nothing to do with that. There were not, the song was not about storms. It was not about anything just randomly in the middle of the show. We're just going to start full on strobe lights. <laughs> and it didn't really make any sense whatsoever. And this even went to tape and recorded and was released, um, released out to the public for purchase. And that's one of those things where, where a lot of audience members probably wouldn't care or they might, they might not. But for me, I'm just looking going, why? I mean, what are, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It just makes me go, I don't think you, either you are making a mistake, but then the, it happened over and over again throughout the tour. So it's like, right. okay, I mean, I guess that's your thing. I mean, right. good for you. But that was to me, that was a, an example of a bad choice. Right. And the fact that it could happen for a band that, you know, you're saying has so much prominence means that, you know, no one is safe, right? Like you, you <laughs> need to make sure. True. Yeah. You need to make sure that you are intentional with every show, no matter the size, you know, whether it's a giant EDM concert at Coachella or whether it is, um, you know, a small business conference for, you know, the retail industry, anywhere in between. Right. Um, and I think you you pointed it out that they were using tools at their disposal, just not correctly. And maybe that comes down to the fact that the tech portfolio changes so often. And yes, there are some staples, but as soon as something new comes to market that is exciting, 
you know, designers want to try it out and they want to implement it into a show as soon as possible. Um, so break down what those tech options look like in 2019. You know, what what's fresh in lighting design technology and why is it important for integrators to stay up to date on the newest options, but also really understand them completely, right? Not just look at them for their flashy value, which I guess pun intended there, literal, <laughs> literal flash, but, um, you know, but beyond and really look at their ability to contribute to a show. Well, what I'm, what I'm really seeing in the industry right now is uh, a transition, and it's not necessarily just right now as much as it's been it's been going on for quite a while, is this overall shift away from arc lighting-based fixtures over to LED fixtures. And that started off as a very gentle transition because it was very easy for, say, the basic uh, LED park hands and whatnot. It was easy for that stuff to be created. But what we really weren't able to hit was true horsepower in lighting as far as when you look at a very high, high, uh, high power spot fixture. Um, for example, I would just say something like uh, the Clay Packy Senius Unico. That's a very high power. It's a 1400 watt short arc fixture. It has a lot of horsepower behind it. We are just now getting into the market where we can get that same kind of horsepower out of LED fixtures. All the manufacturers are coming to the table with some form of LED fixture that can do that. And that's not something we've seen in a very, a very long time. So that's probably the biggest overall shift that I've seen personally in is having that horsepower available in LED fixtures. What LED fixtures truly offer us is something that most people don't care about, which is infrastructure savings. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is power, um, less power, less cable, less everything in general. I don't have to run crazy amounts of cable to make these fixtures work because they need so much less. I don't have to have 400 amp distros on the ground because they don't need it. They are able to function at a much lower uh, overall draw. Now, there's still plenty that still need all that kind of power and whatnot, but just the fact that we're able to do that is starting to not only save the artists money because they don't have to bring in as much power um, but it's starting to save the companies that uh, that rent the equipment money because they don't have to buy as much cable. They don't have to buy as much, um, I mean, data cable, power cable. They're, these things require less service because they are they don't have to deal with heat because a lamp generates heat, whereas LEDs, well, they're still generating heat, but not nearly as much. So the gear lasts longer. It doesn't require as as much maintenance as everything else. And that's a, that's the, the biggest shift that I've seen in the industry. And I think we're going to continue seeing that. I mean, everything is going LED. Short arc lamps are going to be gone. If I, I mean, I would say in the next couple of years at, at the longest, and we'll be in a totally LED structure, I feel like by um, 2020, 2021. Yeah. Does that technology ever get in the way of an integrator and installer doing the show right you know does does the novelty of some of this new technology or the excitement of it sometimes cloud judgment on what the right choice might be um when you know, trying to deliver on a quality show i think sometimes yes sometimes no um in most cases 
most designers want they, they want the new toys they want the new tricks as soon as they're available there's a lot of designers who are very who are very understanding and very patient when it comes to that because they know when you've got new technology it might not be the best idea to just jump right in because you never know what's going to happen especially when right. it's when it's untested um but the difference between between lamps and led that really ends lands to more more design uh, aspects because the color temperature of LED lighting is different than the color temperature of of arc lighting. So that's the the biggest difference as far as from an integrator or a or a rental house point of view. I don't think that really affects that as much if that makes sense. I mean because what's really happening is this transition is really forcing a lot of integrators to move into this into LED as a as a whole, and it's not as so much a force as it's. I mean, it makes good business sense, but it also costs a lot of money. So it's very difficult to move into the into the newest, latest, greatest technology when you've got this whole fleet of arc lighting equipment sitting here going, "Hey, why can't I rent this?" Because yeah. it's. I mean, it, it does the same thing. But but maybe it's a power restriction kind of thing. Maybe it's a purpose restriction. I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know that it's necessarily a negative per se, but it definitely is a massive transitional switch that a lot of companies are are embracing. And there are several that are are holding back, of course. So I, I think we've established that delivering on quality lighting can be a pain point for the industry, um, which means it's probably not any easier for the clients who are looking to put together their show. You know, they don't really know their way around what makes quality lighting. So it really puts a lot of pressure on the AV installers and the integrators and the AV designers to bring something great to the table, something fresh, innovative, but something that is in line with their vision and something that is thoughtful and intentional. Uh, so I wanted to get a sense for what conversations are like between Elite Multimedia and your customers when you're trying to better understand their event's best lighting options. And then even before you ever get to those, what are the questions you have to ask yourselves as integrators before you ask them the questions to really help deliver that quality show? Well, the questions that we ask, there are two different points of view that you can look at when you're producing an event, whether it be a concert, a corporate, uh, a, a dance party, a, a, I mean, a dance concert, any any number of events. You really have to look at, A, do they, ha do they have a design team? And if they don't have a design team, who are who is going to design this? Is this going to be something where the company that they're, I mean, us specifically, are we going to be the ones designing? And if we are going to be designing, what's the goal? What is the, what's the overall point of view? Um, in a lot of cases, there will be artists that are directly involved. They want to be soup to nuts, start to finish. They want to be involved all the way down to color choices. I know of a particular artist who is a, a, very, a very large artist who loves, he is involved from the moment they start designing everything, even to the point where he's giving his crew notes on a daily basis. Even if the tour has been out for months and months and months, he is still giving them notes day after day after day. But then I've also, I personally have been on the other side of that spectrum of the artist who could not care what the lighting looks like. They don't care what's, as long as there's stuff up there, they're good with it. That's, so I've, I've been on both sides. When it comes down to 
asking questions, that's the most important one. Are you going to be involved or is this on us? And then we move it move on to everything else from that. And when the artist is involved, those are the ones that I enjoy the most because it shows that they want to have a point of view. They want to, they, they really are worried and want their overall production to look a certain way. So they want to be involved from, from the big get go. And they want to know where your head's at and what you're going to do. In a lot of situations, there is a dedicated designer and that designer will come, come to us and they will just say, this is what I'm going to do. So here's your gear list. And this is what I need you to provide. And it can be very simple that way. Now, when we don't have a designer and it comes all down to to us as a, as a design team and how we have to turn into designers, we have to ask more important questions. We have to go, okay, well, what is your overall purpose? And these are the tools that I have. And now I start inserting those tools in different places. So how do I help you convey your vision when you don't specifically have a vision, if that if that makes sense. I mean, sometimes sometimes they don't know what they want. And that's the biggest problem we run into is, hey, we want to have this event. We want to do cool lights and cool video and, and, and really big, powerful audio. We have no idea what we need. Here you go. And so we have to figure that out from the, from the get-go. Of, and we have to look at what tools we have in our arsenal to make that happen. And sometimes sometimes those things work their way out very easily. But sometimes you have the artist or the producer that knows what they want, but doesn't know what they want. They, they know that they have a goal, but they don't know how to achieve it. And they'll want and want and want. And sometimes those are unappeasable people. And you, you do your best to manage their expectations and try to deliver them a quality product. But sometimes you can't do that. Um, sometimes they want the world and you can't deliver it. And it's and it, it gets to be kind of difficult sometimes. But the questions you have to ask are, and for me, from a lighting perspective, is how, what are you trying to convey? What is the feeling that you want? Are you just trying to light a space? I mean, in a lot of instances, lighting can just be used as a, um, as paintbrushes and the air kind of the air and the staging becomes our canvas. So we want to, we want to know, do you want us to use atmosphere? Do you want to see the air? Do you want to see those patterns or do you want to bl- just a blank, just light the bodies? What are the overall goals? So that can vary when it comes to, from, to a product launch, a uh, corporate meeting where you're talking about sales figures or uh, or goals or things like that, or is this an emotional thing? Are we are we just looking to make something cool, or are we looking to actually actually evoke a feeling and and have an experience? So it really the most important question of all of them is what is the purpose of your event? Is is this to entertain people? Is this to communicate information? Is this to make people aware of something? Is this for a business purpose? What are you doing? That's the absolute number one first first goal that we we always have. So Jason, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, and I really want to use it to wrap up all our points, but you've said it yourself, lighting really needs to be focused on the vision of the entire event. Um, and really communicate the vision of, you know, the, the central compelling character, whether that's an artist, a brand, a company, an industry, etc. Um, and I think what we've been seeing in live events from corporate conferences to 
um, to musical events is everything is very experience driven and very content focused. You know, especially when you look at unveilings of of large products uh, that could be B two C, B two B, anything in between. People can get the news online. People are lazy. I mean, I'm lazy. Everyone's lazy. People like to sit on their couch and consume their content in the luxury of their home. So there needs to be something extra motivating them to leave their home and to go to an event, you know, make a plan out of it. And I think that has to be something that's experience-driven and something that's really focused on content. And I think lighting at these events, though, you know, not the motivator, but once they're there, that lighting is what really helps sell and glue a lot of the show together. So I wanted to get your take on, do you see lighting playing a role in the future of these live events and becoming a really integral part of that experience-driven, content-focused live experience? I absolutely think that. There are a couple big conferences that happen throughout the year. Uh, Probably the biggest one that happens in in the U.S. is... um, uh, Live Design International, or I think that's the the acronym for it, but LDI in Las Vegas, and it's a a mecca of every product you could possibly ever imagine from from the lighting industry, even LED video and a handful of other things as well. But one of the newest products that I saw was a light that also has. Um, full video capabilities. And to to elaborate that a little bit better, the actual beam of light, the individual LED uh, emitters can actually be individually mapped to in their projection tube to actually be a part of the, the, the video production as well. So they can send video content. Now we've had fixtures that could send video for a long time. And there's also plenty of LED fixtures that you can pixel map the individual LEDs on the front of the light for say a wash light or anything else. But this is the first picture that I've ever seen to where it's a focusable spot fixture that actually has I think it was nine LEDs, and I could be incorrect on that, but I believe it was nine individual LED emitters inside the uh, the visual tunnel, and then you could individually take those and map them out as well. That's a new a new thing for the industry. I, I mean, I think I've I've never seen anything that does it, and this will be a massive step because of what it's going to allow is even more integration between LED video and LED lighting to take this big canvas and expand it. Because I mean, basically, what we're doing with LED video is a large canvas over the size of the screen or over the size of the stage. And then we're adding in these LED lighting elements at different places, expanding the canvas. And that's pretty massive to to have this overall congruent design and these elements that all work together to make this big, cohesive production that will get even larger. Is It's really exciting to me. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make, I mean, lighting is absolutely a very integral part. And it's going to continue being that. But now it's becoming more than just using it as lighting effects or lighting bodies and lighting a space. It's being tied into the overall production as far as the video content. Right. And I think it also reemphasizes that idea that the pro AV industry needs to be very intentional with its lighting and it can't just be something that 
is tacked on as the last part of the live event, or it's it's the last creative piece that we focus on. No, it needs to be part of the design of the entire event from the beginning because it can be utilized in ways that you know, really it hasn't been utilized before, in ways that are really integral and essential to communicating a message and getting that feel across for the event. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, like you said, it's an exciting time for sure to be in the lighting space and to be a creative in the lighting space. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you and the team at Elite Multimedia continue to do to innovate in this space. Uh, we're definitely going to have to continue this conversation at a later date. But till then, I'd really like to thank you, Jason, for coming on the podcast and giving us your insight on the topic. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that deeper dive into your cannonball nickname. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there eventually. All righty. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.